0: Well, today, what I want to do is conclude the series that we've been in for the last five weeks. This will be the sixth week, and it's called Mind Games. Um, and uh, just kind of cards on the table, I really wrestled with whether or not to preach this message today. Um, a large part of me wanted to end this series last week and uh, jump right into a Christmas series starting today and just kind of get us all on a, on a happy uh, page as we kind of start this holiday schedule and craziness that's to come. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, God just put this topic on my heart. And honestly, it doesn't fit specifically like the other topics that we've looked at in this series. Um, This series is all about Allowing God to reshape our minds to renew our minds, that there are mindsets that are unhealthy that hold us hostage that keep us from experiencing god 's best and we 've talked about fear and insecurity uh, we 've talked about a plethora of uh, a different topics and mental uh, struggles that that we need to wrestle against but today um, i want to I want to talk to us about uh, something that many would consider to be a heart condition, uh, but i want to i want to Look at it through the lens of a mental issue. Um, and it's the topic of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Um, I think for many of us, the holiday seasons, Thanksgiving, Christmas, are times that we get to spend with family and friends where the relationships that are most dearest to us are reinforced where the relationships that are most uh, dear to our hearts are the relationships that, that thrive in this time of year. And we get to give gifts to the people that we love, and we get to spend time with people that we love that we may not get to spend time with throughout the year um, as much as we'd like. But I also believe that this holiday season that we're in is also a reminder for many of us of relationships that are broken, relationships that are strained, um, and relationships that um, possess hurt and pain. Uh, there's been transgress, trans, trespasses that have broken relationships or strained relationships. And the holiday season for many of us when we have to spend time with people that have hurt us or who have let us down or who haven't been there for us when we needed us or you name it and fill in the blank. is just a time that makes it more difficult for us. Um, and I think if we're not careful, then uh, we will have a mindset that will not allow us to see this season for what it is and not experience God's best for us, especially over the next five weeks. And so I want to talk to us today about unforgiveness. But before I do, let me kind of read our theme verse, which is Second uh, Corinthians um, chapter number five and starting in ver- actually chapter 10, starting in verse number five. The Apostle Paul says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what we're doing in this series. We're taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ. And we've talked uh, throughout this series as if taking thoughts captive isn't so much about developing a filter, but rather allowing God's word to lay bare the thoughts that we possess. Uh, that don't align with, with his word to us. And so we're going to go to God's word today, and we're going to look at this topic of unforgiveness, and we're going to see what God says to us. And my prayer for you and my prayer for myself is that we would have an attitude over the next 30 minutes or so That just says, God, if there's anything in my life that doesn't align with your word, would you please just take that thought captive, remove it, isolate it, imprison it. Don't allow it to affect me and my motives and my intentions and my actions that I might experience your best. So let me start with some middle school drama. Any of you ever had middle school drama? Many years ago, I was a middle schooler, and I particularly remember a night that I went to the movies. The incredible cinema in Toccoa, Georgia was mind-blowing. All three theaters were just packed each and every night. And I remember going with a friend named Michael, and uh, we played basketball together. And uh, Michael had developed a crush, if you will, on Amy. Okay, so I'm at the movies with Michael, and Michael is whatever, with Amy, you know, they're going out, they're dating, whatever you call it. Um, they were really good friends, I guess, but but they were supposedly exclusive, specifically in the eyes of a guy named Wes, who liked Amy, Michael was not his best friend, okay? So we got some middle school drama here, I'm at the theater with Michael, and some friends of Wes's come up to us right before the movie starts, and they say to me, um, uh, if if you'll just wait here for a minute, we need to see Michael right outside the door. Now, I was familiar enough with this theater to know that that went out to the back of the theater. Um, and I was like, what are you talking about? And Michael was like, why would I go out there with you? And he's like, somebody just needs to talk to you. He didn't give you something. They were like trying to coerce him out there. And, and obviously we didn't go out back and um, come to find out Wes had some buddies out back, and they were looking to jump Michael. Isn't that some fun middle school drama? All of you who have middle schoolers that you allow to go to the movies, this is what happens. (laughs) Well, long story short, when I got home, Michael was spending the night with me, and I told my dad what had happened. I said, you know, they were trying to get him to go back, and uh, supposedly there were four or five guys out there, and they were going to jump him because he's dating a girl that somebody likes. Isn't that crazy? And uh, I told my dad just a few moments ago that I'm going to out him here. Um, And this is a true story. You can give him a hard time about it. He'll deny it, but it's true as I remember it. My dad became livid because in his eyes, he sent his son to the movies to have a safe, fun night. And if there were young men there that were trying to jump other guys and beat them up or cause harm or whatever, he, he took offense at that. And so my father, I sat there as he took it beyond where I thought it would ever go, and he calls Wes's dad on the phone and um, crazy story like I took karate as a child and I remember my dad saying uh, you know if you want to arrange a fight like we can put it on even level ground and we're not going to have people camped out behind the theater trying to jump people I mean if you want to get these kids together we'll we'll do that but you're not gonna you know what I'm saying and he's like all oh, taking it further than I ever thought that he would and from that moment forward I had something in my heart, I guess you could say in my mind, against Wes. I didn't like Wes. I thought that Wes was um, just a punk. I didn't like Wes. And so we played ball together. We went to school together. I never liked Wes. And Wes would always invite me uh, to do things with he and some of his friends. And I would always refuse because I just thought that he was a punk. And I remember thinking only negative things about Wes almost every time that I saw him he would do something good and i would be like oh whatever he just got lucky he would he would get an accomplishment on a team or something that i was on with him and and i would like just like i can't believe they gave it to him i just had this resentment in my heart this bitterness toward west and uh, sometime around like 10th grade i just remember the lord kind of convicting me and i went to west just to kind of say man i've treated you really badly over the years and i'm i'm sorry And Wes and I became like almost like best friends for the last couple of years of high school. And I got to thinking in preparation for this message, how sometimes the smallest, silliest things when we look back on them, can cause the greatest divisions In our minds, the way we see them, we make mountains out of molehills and we allow things to cause us to look at people in a certain way, to treat people in a certain way, to think of people in a certain light based on sometimes one event or circumstance that happened in our life. And it causes us in our mind to say, I'll never forgive them for that. I will always remember what they did. I'll always hold it against them. And I will never allow them to have access to my life again. Now, before we go any further and look at Scripture, let me just, let me just say this. For many of you, you have people in your life that you loved, that you trusted, that uh, you cherished, that have done more than middle school drama to you. You have been harmed by someone in your life. Many of you have experienced a level of pain that you should never have had to experience from someone that you loved and trusted. And let's just... Let's just be honest here for a moment. I do not want to undermine any amount of pain that you may have when it comes to a relationship with that person in your life. Do not hear me say today that you just need to get over it, that you need to stop making mountains out of molehills, that you need to just forget about what happened and make things right. I don't want to undermine your pain. But I do want to help you understand how that pain impacts you mentally. Someone once said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping that someone who has offended you dies. When in actuality, unforgiveness hurts you. It holds you captive. It holds you imprisoned by your thoughts and by your attitudes and by your motives. And some event that could have happened decades ago could still be on the forefront of your mind, could still hold you hostage. And the person that has transgressed you, may not ever even think about what happened, and yet we wish them harm. We wish them ill will. We will never forgive them, and all it does is it affects us and not them. So I don't want to undermine any amount of pain that you've experienced today, but I do want to help you understand that unforgiveness is never directed at someone else, but it's always internalized, and it does more damage to you than you could ever imagine it doing to the other person, And so today, by God's grace, I want to show you some scriptures and help you understand how you can learn to forgive. For many of us, it's forgiving ourselves. For many of us, it's forgiving others. But ultimately, it's all about the perspective that forgiveness plays in our life. So let's go to God's Word and let's look at Ephesians chapter number 4 starting in verse number 32. and We're going to come back to this at the end. These are the words of Paul to the church at Ephesus, and he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgive each other in the same way that Christ forgave you. It's a difficult, difficult word for many of us to hear. Because we love the fact that God forgave us. But it's hard for us to extend that same forgiveness to others. Chapter 5 verse 1 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But let's talk about forgiveness for a second. Some people don't forgive because they see forgiveness through their own lens. Forgiveness is not condoning the action of someone in your life who's harmed you, hurt you, betrayed you, not been there for you, wronged you in any way. Forgiveness is not allowing people access into your life to hurt you again. Forgiveness is not giving permission to people to treat you any way they want to treat you so that you are simply an expense at someone else's disposal forgiveness is not you validating the wrong in others as if it were okay or that it wasn't a bad thing it's not you giving permission to someone who's hurt you in your life to think that what they did was okay And I think that this is the heart of why most people don't forgive because they see forgiveness through the lens of approval or condoning that my forgiving you approves what you did. And that's just not the case. That's just not the case. Someone who has wronged you and hurt you should never be validated in what they did. But forgiveness is simply an exchange of debts. It's an exchange of debts. And I'm going to look at a scripture that will help us understand forgiveness the way it's supposed to be. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse number 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Do you see Peter's mindset here? Like, how many times do I have to keep forgiving people in my life? Like if someone messes up once, they got one strike, two strike, three strikes, like then I have to stop forgiving them, right? Seven times, that's really generous. Should I forgive someone seven times, Peter asked Jesus. And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And some versions say 70 times seven. Jesus' response is basically just keep forgiving. Forgiveness is something that flows from you if you understand forgiveness the way Jesus extends forgiveness. It's not about approving someone's wrongs. It's about you releasing the pain from yourself. And if you don't learn to forgive others, then you yourself are held hostage by their actions, and we should never live imprisoned by the actions of others we should never allow the actions of others to impact us in such a way that we carry the burden when they should carry the burden but he takes it further and helps us understand therefore verse 23 the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants as he began the settlement a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. He owed more than he could repay, and he was unable to repay it. So the king says to the servant, well, we're going to have to sell you, your wife, your children. We're going to have to get as much out of you as we can because you owe me something. See, this is what forgiveness is. It's a balance of debts. Someone who has wronged you owes you something. And forgiveness is all about, I'm going to get what you owe me. I'm going to get what you owe me. But the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Please don't sell me. Please don't sell my kids. Please don't sell my wife. Please don't cast me away. I promise, just give me time. I will make it right. I will figure this out. please there's something that i can do and the servant's master took pity on him he canceled the debt and he let him go you know that's what forgiveness is it's not approving someone's wrong it's simply canceling the debt that they owe you when someone wrongs you in your eyes they took something from you so they owe you something there is a debt and a debtor relationship And now your debtor owes you something and you not forgiving them is basically saying, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to stop pestering you until you pay me back everything that you owe. And here's the problem with that. Let's just be honest. Some things can't be repaid. Some things cannot be repaid. And we want people who owe us something that they can never pay us to pay that to us. And it's impossible for them to pay it. Like we see this servant here. So the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. He forgave him. He said, you don't owe me anything anymore. And he let him go about his normal life. To which this servant would have been elated, knowing that a debt that he could never repay has been taken away from him. He is now free and he owes his master nothing. So what's he do? He goes out and extends that same forgiveness, right? Verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. "Pay back what you owe me," he demanded. "Is this really the same guy who owed 10,000 denarii and could not repay it, And his master just took pity and forgave the debt. Now he's going out and finding a fellow servant who owes him a hundred, a fraction of what he just was forgiven. He was owed. And he takes this fellow servant by the throat and he begins to choke him. And he says, pay it back to me now. He demanded to be repaid. Well, the fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Same story. Same story. I can't right now, but I promise I'll pay it back. Just give me time. Just give me a little mercy. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. This is unforgiveness. This is us trying to make miserable those who owe us something until they repay what sometimes they can't repay. And we think that by, un, by not forgiving people and demanding that they repay what they owe us, then we're the victors in the situation. But I want you to see what happens When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Didn't work out so good. He received forgiveness, but he didn't extend forgiveness, and it cost him in the end. It tortured, it brought him torture in the end. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is how your heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Listen to me real closely. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus if you call yourself a Christian, if you strive to live in such a way that brings glory to Jesus Christ, forgiveness is not an option. It's an instruction. It's a command. It's your only option. When you are wronged, when someone causes you harm, when someone brings pain into your life, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus... Forgiveness is the response that's appropriate. And it doesn't make sense. And it's hard to understand. But in light of the forgiveness that we have received, Jesus expects us to forgive others. Listen, listen to Matthew chapter number 6. Starting in verse number 5, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. Starting in verse 9, excuse me. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus is teaching us to pray, God forgive me as I forgive others. This is the model that he gave us and how to pray. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. At what cost are you willing to see someone else harmed because of what they did to you? Are you willing to allow your unforgiveness to someone else cost you your forgiveness from your Heavenly Father? We don't think of forgiveness in terms of a debt-to-debtor exchange, but the truth of the matter is that all of us owe Jesus everything because He died for us when we didn't deserve it. And he did so to forgive us of all the sins that we have ever committed or ever will commit. He forgave us completely. In other words, he wiped away the debt. We don't owe Jesus anything because he has forgiven us. He's wiped the slate clean. He doesn't look at us with eyes of animosity. He doesn't look at us with eyes of revenge. He doesn't look at us with eyes of bitterness that hopes harm on us that longs to see us suffer he's wiped the slate clean and given us a fresh start and he expects us to do the same with others that is the standard for forgiveness for your life and for mine if we want to be followers of jesus that is us saying to jesus take captive every thought that doesn't align with your word That is difficult for some of us who have been harmed, whether it's something small or something major, whether it was an unforgivable act or not. For us to wipe away the debt that someone owes us is not an easy task, but it's possible if we truly understand the heart of forgiveness. Let me talk to you about what true forgiveness is. True forgiveness is resisting revenge. Not retaliating. Not extending pain to others that have extended pain to you. It's not returning evil for evil. We're not trying to get even. It's not a payback situation. True forgiveness is wishing those that have offended us well. Wishing them well. Now, How many of you have ever said, well, I'll forgive them, but I ain't going to forget it. And what we mean by that is, I will make sure that it never happens again because you'll have no place in my life. Just the words, I forgive you, don't extend true forgiveness. When you're able to wish someone well that has harmed you, that's true forgiveness because you've wiped away any debt that they may have owed you. True forgiveness is not grieving at their calamities. It's not, excuse me, true forgiveness is grieving at their calamities. When someone has harmed you and they themselves receive harm, it's you not rejoicing in the harm that they've received, but it's you being hurt that they're hurting. Many of us, we haven't experienced that type of forgiveness to where we're able to look at someone who's harmed us and see them harmed and grieve for them. True forgiveness is praying for the welfare of those who have hurt us. We pray God bless them, God help them, God use them, God extend to them blessings that they don't deserve. We would never pray that unless we've been able to truly forgive them. True forgiveness is seeking reconciliation so far as it depends on us. Seeking reconciliation so far as it depends on us. Let's be honest. Sometimes relationships cannot be reconciled because it's not you that's refusing to reconcile. There are some people in our lives that simply will never reconcile with us unless God does a work in their hearts. But truly forgiving someone is saying, as far as it depends on me, I want to make our relationship right. That's true forgiveness, and that's difficult. True forgiveness is coming to the aid of someone who's harmed you in their time of distress. Now, when someone harms you, and you see them experiencing harm, the greatest temptation is to revel in it, right? It's what you get. It's what you deserve. It's what you had coming. Right? And we secretly, we may not even publicly, we secretly were like, thank you, God, for making their life miserable. I can't stand them, but I forgive them. It's not true forgiveness. It's not true forgiveness. True forgiveness is coming to their aid. Listen, in spite of what you did to me, I see that you need my help, and I'll lend a hand any way that I can. That's the type of forgiveness that we're talking about here. We're not talking about the words, I forgive you. If you have young children, you've taught them to say the words, I forgive you, right? Your son bites someone in daycare and you find out about it and you take your son, and you go to the kid that they bit and you say, you know, you shouldn't bite. Now tell them that you're sorry. And then we teach our kids on the other end when someone says, sorry to say, I forgive you. We teach them that, Right. But then we take them to the side and say, if he ever tries to bite you again, you know, right, right upside, don't you let him bite you again. We, we teach, we say the words as if it's just a gesture. You say, I'm sorry, sure, I forgive you, but don't try it again. You'll see what happens next time. All right? And that's our attitude, that's our motive, that's our mindset when it comes to forgiveness. For many of us, it's one strike and you're out. Forget about it. Got nothing to do with you again. And I would just like to say that I am so thankful that God is not like that towards me. And you should be so thankful that God's not like that towards you. But because when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, God made us alive in Christ by sending his son Jesus to pay the penalty for the sins that we owed. And to wipe clean the debt that we could never repay. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. If you're if you're the type that finds it difficult to forgive others, you've got to lean into the just as Christ forgave you part of this verse. And you've got to come to grips with the fact that what makes me so angry about someone is the way Jesus should feel about me. But he refuses to hold the debt over my head And he wipes it clean. And only because of that can I even try to begin to comprehend what it means to forgive someone else. And when someone's hurt me, when someone's harmed me, and and I wish them ill, I, I wish evil upon them. I want to repay them for what they've done. I want revenge. I want to see them suffer. I have to lean into the forgiveness that I've received and say, God, Would you strip away those thoughts from my mind? Would you allow me to embrace a type of forgiveness that you've extended to me so that I can be kind and compassionate and extend forgiveness to others? Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Follow God's example as dearly loved children. We have to begin to see the fact that we are children who are loved by God and that's the heart of the forgiveness that he extends us and since we know that we receive love that we haven't earned we receive love that we don't deserve that we've done nothing to invite that love into our life it's simply given to us because we're a child of God he loves us dearly we've got to learn to extend that type of love to others They don't deserve it. They haven't earned it. There's no way that I should extend it to them, but I'm a recipient of that type of love. God, teach me to love others the way you love me. And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Christ gave himself as a sacrifice for you and for me. In God's eyes, your debt and my debt by way of sin has been canceled by the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalfs. In fact, it's like a fragrant aroma to God. It's pleasing. The sacrifice of Jesus when he died for you and for me pleased God the Father so much that he no longer sees your sin in light of your sin. He sees your sin in light of the cross. And Christ became for us what we couldn't become in ourselves. And so when we're held captive by a mindset that just wants to see others harmed because of what they've done to us, we've got to remember Jesus did for me what I didn't deserve. And he paid what I could never pay. And now I've got an opportunity to allow God to mold me into someone who can do for others what Jesus did for me. We can model the forgiveness that God extended to us to those in our lives. What does that look like? How do we go about extending that forgiveness? I just want to say a few things here, and then I want to pray for you. I want to say first of all that forgiveness is first for you before it's for someone else. That you saying the words, I forgive you to someone, when you haven't internalized that, when you haven't embraced that, when it's not really true, isn't necessarily beneficial talk is cheap you know that for you to say to someone I forgive you but inside you still wish them harm you still will never forget what they've done you still you know resent them in your mind they still owe you they stole something from you they harmed you and they deserve to pay it back until you can internalize true forgiveness you can't really extend it to others and talk is cheap So I don't expect you today to leave here and go and make a list. These are all the people that have harmed me and start making phone calls and say, I just want you to know that I forgive you if it's not true. If it's not true. I would never encourage you to do that. I would first encourage you to get along with God and wrestle and say, God, would you remove these thoughts from my mind? Would you allow me to forgive and extend forgiveness to others the way I've received forgiveness? Would you allow me to erase the debt that this person in my life owes me? And when you can learn to forgive on the inside, it's easy to take a step and make a phone call. set up an appointment. Stop by someone's house. The whole awkwardness of letting your guard down and allowing them to see you in a moment of weakness because you said that you would never speak to them again. It's all gone. You don't care about that anymore. You can now take a step and have a conversation. Which, by the way, I'm not saying is going to be easy or even go the way you want it to. But it's first got to be internalized. And when you truly can forgive the way Christ forgave you, then it's time to start having some conversations. It's time to try to reconcile with some people. I always like to think of reconciliation through the terms of giving the benefit of the doubt. Okay? Okay? Some of you, you may hear this and you may go to someone who said something to you at work that has no idea that they offended you. And, and you're going to go to them and just say, I just want you to know I forgive you. And they're going to be like, for what? And you're going to say, well, you said this the other day. And they're going to be like, that's stupid. You need to get over that. And you're going to be like, oh, no, she didn't. Yeah. And you're going to be right back in this spot, Right. Some people have harmed you and they don't even realize it. True forgiveness isn't about pointing out the mistakes in others. It's not about highlighting the mistakes of others. It's about releasing the debt. It's about erasing the debt. And if someone doesn't even know that they owe you something, I don't always recommend going and having a conversation and sitting down and just say, you don't even know this, but I've been mad at you for 18 years and you did this to me and then just be like... Whoa, I had no clue. Because in their eyes, rightfully so, they'd been like, why didn't you say something sooner? I had a conversation with someone just the other day. They said, to I didn't like the way you did this. And I was like, that was like so six months ago. Why are you just now saying something? But on the flip side of that coin, if it's something that, continues to harm you, something that someone's doing, even if they don't know it, then you need to, with grace and mercy, allow them to know that they're bringing harm to your life. You, you may not know this, and I'm not trying to like, point fingers or blame things, but when you do this, I just want you to know that it, it kind of hurts a little, and I've kind of resented you for it, and I'm not like, you know, lashing at you. I just want you to be aware of this. If you could stop doing it, that would be great, because I'm getting bitter. So we don't like to communicate. We don't like to talk. We don't like to have conversations. But please don't go to someone and say, I've harbored resentment towards you for months or years when they don't even know that they did anything to harm you. Does that make sense? So you've got to internalize forgiveness before you can extend it. And then you've got to be wise in how you extend it. But the truth is that many of you are going to have to have a conversation. You're going to have to sit across the table. You're going to have to sit across the living room. You're going to have to have a a phone to your ear. And you're going to have to speak to someone who you said you would never speak to again. And with love in your heart, you're going to have to communicate to them that what they did to you has been forgiven. That they don't owe you anything any longer. And it's not about you in that moment when you extend forgiveness. I don't want you to go sit down with someone and by giving them forgiveness, offering them forgiveness, make them feel so small and so evil for what they did. See, it's easy for us sometimes to get this victim mentality. And even when we extend forgiveness we still want to be like but you still really owe me something and I, I'm telling you that I forgive you but I want you to feel terrible about what you did one more time just one more time and then i that's enough I won't say anything again it's truly about saying look it's over it's done with I don't harbor any ill will any longer and I just want you to know that I don't hold that against you and for many people in your life, that's going to be like a weight lifted because they know that what they did brought harm to you and they've carried the weight of that all these years. And just those few words coming from a truly forgiven heart is going to change their life, maybe in a small way. But the other side of that is some of you, you're going to have that conversation. And it's going to be met with someone who refuses to accept it. And you just got to remember, forgiveness is about you more than it's about someone else. If you go to someone and you extend forgiveness and they say, you just need to get over that, that's stupid. I can't believe that you still care about that. If they want to ignore the pain that they've caused you, they want to act like it's insignificant. They want to act like you're the problem and they're not the problem. It's not an opportunity for you to shift mode and begin to point fingers and magnify the problem again. It's an opportunity for you to walk away free, not carrying that burden, not imprisoned by those thoughts, not allowing the debt to dominate that relationship. And so what I want you to do, many of you have for the last 20 minutes had a specific event or a specific person or multiple events or multiple people in your mind who have hurt you, who have wronged you, who have said things, done things, treated you ways, abused you. They've done whatever has caused you pain. And for all this time in your heart, they owe you something. And you've never been able to think of them without having a negative thought, without wishing them ill, without wanting them to experience the price that they owe you. And I want to give you an invitation as we end our time together. A simple invitation to make a choice, to make a decision, to say, I want to forgive them. And for some of you, it's going to be a process that may take weeks. It may take months. And you may be having a conversation this time next year because of a decision that you're making right now. There may be that much that you have to wrestle with. But today, you would just say, for me, I want to extend forgiveness the way that I've been forgiven. And in light of the forgiveness that I've received with everything that's in me, within me, I'm going to extend that forgiveness to whoever that person is in my life. And so here's the simple invitation, and I want to just pray with you that God would give you the courage, the strength, to have a conversation, to stop by someone's house, to send an email or a text message, if that's the best you can do. But to begin the process of truly forgiving that person for that thing, or those people for those things. They're in your mind. You're thinking about them right now. You'll never forget what they did. I'm not asking you to give them permission to do it again. I'm not asking you to approve what they did. I'm not asking you to condone their actions. I'm not asking you to tell them that what they did was okay I'm asking you to take a step and say what they owe me, I'm going to wipe clean. They don't owe me anything anymore because I'm going to forgive them. And when you do that, you're going to set yourself free. So if that's you, someone's in your mind, some event, some circumstance is in your mind, and you get angry just thinking about it, and you're beginning to resent me for telling you that you've got to forgive them, I just want to ask you to stand to your feet right now and let me pray with you. Just as a way of saying, I may not even be there yet, but I so want to make a decision to forgive someone. And I want to take a step to learn to wipe away debts in my life that people owe me because He forgave me. Lord, help me forgive them. As you're standing, just let me pray for you. And then your next step, is between you and God. Please don't go someone in my name and say, My pastor told me I had to do this, and this is the only reason I'm here. Don't throw me under the bus. When your heart is where it needs to be, you have a conversation, you take that step. Father, you see these men, these women who have carried the weight of this debt that someone's caused. They've been hurt, they've been betrayed. Someone that they loved and trusted hasn't been there for them. And the pain is tangible. Even now in this moment, Father, they can't forget what happened. And my prayer for them now in this moment is that they would tangibly feel the forgiveness that you've offered them in a way that they've never felt it before. And I pray that that forgiveness would would be a conduit to extend the same forgiveness to that person, to those people that they would be able to wipe away the debt as you forgave them, help them forgive others. And Father, some of them, honestly, right now, they may not quite be there. They may not be ready to have that conversation because it may not be genuine in this moment. And my prayer, Father, is that you would just set them free from the debt-to-debtor relationship. That you would free them from the change that come from allowing someone's offenses to dominate our mindset. To view someone through the lens of the sin rather than through the lens of your grace. Holds us captive and in this moment I just ask you to free us from that. Help us to look at our enemies in such a way that there's love, that there's grace, that there's mercy. That we wish them well, that we even offer to help in their time of distress that we don't condone their actions or approve their actions or give them permission to repeat their offenses, but, Father, we in our hearts completely, entirely, wholly forgive them. And as these men and women do that, Father, would you do a work in their heart? Would you set them free from that bondage that's held them hostage for so long? And would you use their attempt to reconcile to extend the love of Jesus, to extend the mercy and the grace that you've given us so freely and may we experience the freedom that comes only through you. I pray, Father, that you would restore relationships. Even many right now don't want a restored relationship. But, Father, as you begin to extend the true forgiveness into their hearts. May you allow relationships to be mended and reconciled and use these men and women, Father, to impact the lives of people who have hurt them for the good because of what you've done in us. And I thank you for that for every email, for every text message, for every phone call, for every appointment that's made, for every stop by someone's house and sitting in a living room and just coming clean and saying, I no longer hold this against you. Would you please just give a, a courage and a boldness and a grace to those conversations? And would you allow your love to be the thread that they're spoken with and your love to be the thread that they're received with and your grace and your mercy to be the environment that they're offered in. And may the the debt, may the trespass, may the sin, may the offense, may the harm, may the pain end in that moment forever. In Jesus' name.